heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, Tower 2. It's the weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mark Cranach on assignment this morning. We welcome in Brandon Vogel, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. At Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter is where you find him, managing editor and uh, his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Vogues, uh, we're getting down to the finish line here. A football season, Super Bowl tomorrow, and the offseason continues to be very interesting for Nebraska. Coach Wager, Coach McGuire uh, met the media this week, and, man, they are two Texans that are all about being in Lincoln now, and uh, they've kind of brought that Oh, that, that Texas swag north. Uh, and, and I know Nebraska fans are eating it up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Texas Texas Thursday this week at, uh, at Memorial <laughs> Stadium. <laughs> I think uh, if, if, if things, things go the way that they've designed them to with this coaching staff, they'll have more than a couple of Texas Thursdays uh, in terms of players coming, coming back, coming up to Lincoln. Um, you know, I, I think the history of Nebraska recruiting is, well, it's it's national and it's everywhere. We're well aware of that. But you kind of got to find your your pocket. And, and sometimes, you know, that's been Louisiana. Sometimes it's been New Jersey, Texas, of course. I mean, Texas has sort of always been there. You go back to 1973 and Tom Osborne's first class, which is kind of I, I keep all of those signees in the spreadsheet and kind of look at them that way. I mean. Texas has supplied the most Huskers, at least scholarship signees in terms of recruits uh, of, of any state. And, and Nebraska is second. Um, tells, you, tells you about Nebraska, tells you about Texas, too, just in terms of the sheer volume and quality of players that have always been available there. So if Nebraska is successfully able to, to kind of get back in there, um, that's, that's a pretty good development. What, what is unique – about and this is a broad take on Texas players. Everyone is individual and has their own strengths and weaknesses. I get that, but 
what is a separator for you? If we're to just kind of label in a good way, a Texas recruit versus a California recruit versus Jersey or Florida, uh, Georgia. I mean, there's your, there's your five food groups of let's go get dudes from there uh, while winning the 500 mile radius battle and in-state battle. All that being said, Texas players do what for you? What's their trait? Uh, I think just the magnitude of football itself is is the differentiator in, in my mind. I mean, we've all seen, you know, kind of and, and gawked at occasionally the stories of, you know, multi-million dollar new stadiums for, for a city um, that, you know, not just rival in a lot of cases are better than, than some of the G5 stadiums that, that current FBS programs are are playing in and, and, and the, you know, it, it becomes a little bit of a cliche, but the cliche comes from somewhere, right. Of, you know, just how big those games feel in Texas. And it's not that high school football games aren't big other places, but, you know, I can be in Georgia in five minutes and, and, and Georgia has a proud high school football culture, a lot of talent. We've seen Nebraska be involved down there a lot more of of late and it still doesn't quite in my opinion my experience rise to what i've seen uh of high school football in texas and i think that's ultimately ultimately it there's also a piece you know maybe the last 20 20 years or so where high school football in texas you know was really kind of in lockstep i think with the offensive evolution that was happening in college football primarily the move to you know, spread concepts. I mean, Art Bryles before building Baylor and then sort of inadvertently or advertently, however you want to view that, uh, kind of tearing it back down, uh, was, was a high school coach. Uh, Joey McGuire, Garrett McGuire's dad was a high school coach. That, that's all well aware. Uh, we're all well aware of that story at this point. So I think those two things, like if you're playing high school football in Texas, you're probably getting as close to a college experience as you can have in the high school ranks. And then there's also just uh, the level of coaching and execution and talent there, I think, plays a role too. So, Brandon, whenever you look at just the, the high school football culture in Texas, you briefly mentioned Joey McGuire, Garrett McGuire's dad. What is growing up in that experience to Garrett McGuire? Like, what does that mean to you? Because Garrett McGuire is a guy that a lot of people doubted whenever he came here, and I'm, I'm still seeing some doubt. Former Husker Kieran Williams hopped on Twitter uh, yesterday and, and, and I guess – uh, for lack of a better word, just doubted the hire of Garrett McGuire saying, uh, man, there's nobody else out there. I guess it, it does show it's more about who you know than what you know. There, there's just that doubt whenever you look at a 24-year-old position coach at a place like Nebraska. So what does it mean to you that he grew up in, in that, that lineage of, of high school uh, football in Texas? And, and, and I guess from listening to him on, on Thursday, has your trepidation around Garrett McGuire been lessened since this hire was first announced? Yeah, I think there will always be a, uh, a deal of inherent skepticism just with somebody who's who's that young because w- we don't see it very often. So so what did his experience growing up uh, in a football household with a father who was a high school football coach, what did it mean? It, it means you can hire him at 24. Um, and I mean, I know there's still a lot of people out there who, who think, well, maybe you shouldn't have. And, and let's be clear, like it would have been – much easier for for Matt Rule to choose a coach who you know is as the advanced age of twenty eight or whatever that still would have been seen seen as you know a young and up and coming hire. 
to go all the way to somebody who who isn't just 24 but very much looks looks 24 um i I understand why why it gives people pause but we'll get it sorted out soon enough and i think once you know we move past the getting to know you stage of this new staff and these new assistants and they actually just get to start coaching. Um, you'll start to hear from the players in, in Garrett McGuire's room what they think of him, and then the results, you know, will always speak for themselves on Saturdays, and and that's the the most important part. I I look at rule, and there's favors that that happen in in all forms of work, right? You got a buddy hire, you got a, a family hire. But ultimately, you, you've kind of got a Matt Rule hire. And, and with, with that, he ain't going to spare anybody. He may give you an opportunity because your dad's money or there's some history there. But ultimately, you, you better swim or, or else. And I firmly believe that. Uh, and as far as Chiron's comments – uh, I like the guy. I mean, we've interviewed him, I don't know how many times over his career and always kind of rooting for him, but that's uh, the, dare I say, beauty of social media. You can uh, come off the top rope and it is what it is. So I, no, you, you don't, you don't bring him to Carolina and you don't see the Carolina whiteouts flourish like they did. If the kid can't can, call him a kid, <laughs> the kid can't connect with with guys, and and I think that will happen. And I honestly believe Vogues and Elijah that you've got to have something different, just flat out off the wall different in the wide receiver room in college football. And quarterbacks stir the drink, but you've got diva central man in <laughs> in the wide receiver room. In in college, in high school, and for sure as hell in the NFL. So you just got to be able to get someone's attention, get them to do what you ask. Doesn't matter how you get him to do it. And I think maybe that might be part of Garrett's genius uh, or appeal where Pop-Tarts and Honey Buns, sweet. Uh, all right, let's do what he says. Let's see if it works. So you just got to you gotta be able to connect. And and that's that's rules mo is he's going to find a way to connect with you and he's going to find a position coach that will do what he wants and their task is to get you to go buy in and go kill it with uh, your job that specific play yeah you know and and coach mcguire spoke about that this week um when he was when he was up there i mean i don't for me I don't think you can undersell the fact that he was in the NFL and, and he was at Carolina. And I mean, you think about the ultimate kind of sink or swim scenarios um, <laughs> to, to take a, to take a, a young coach like that, who's dealing with 28, 29 professionals, um, 29, 28 or 29 year old professionals, guys who have been around the league in some cases, guys who are making a lot of money. Like if if you can have resonance, uh, if Matt Rule is is willing to bring a, a coach like that to Lincoln after that experience, tells me what I need to know about how he kind of assimilated in that situation. In a lot of ways, I view college, which he's not much older than a lot of these guys, and, and in some cases he's not even. Um, <clears throat> but he's somebody who's been in college, uh, who who played college football, 
and it has a little bit more experience on on those players that are coming through now. So if anything, it probably got a little bit easier for him, I would think. Brenna, I guess the the the, the biggest area where I still have concern with a guy like Garrett McGuire is just that 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 the unpredictable nature of college football that if being a Husker fan over the past couple of years has shown people anything it's that you should expect the unexpected and that weird stuff is going to happen whenever you're talking about a team full of a hundred something 18 to 22 year olds so do you think that there was or potentially was a, a candidate that would be more prepared to to go handle things uh, like the unexpected whenever it happens a 24 year old hasn't seen a lot of happen has happened in college football. Whereas you compare that to a guy like Mark Whipple, where I know there's a lot of complaints about a guy like Mark Whipple, but he's really seen it all on the game of football. There's nothing that's going to surprise him. So how do you, you balance that with, yeah, you have a guy that has a, a lot of potential in Garrett McGuire, but also there is some inherent risk of bringing in a guy who's 24 and doesn't have that much experience actually being hands-on as his, his own position coach. Yeah, yeah. There, there's really no substitute for for experience, and and like you said, I think Whipple's a, a good example. You know, however anyone may have have felt about how that the 2022 season went from a offensive point of view, I kind of look back on it and say, well, you know, it was a year one for a new coordinator, which always struck me as, you know, kind of a, a bold bet to be like, well, we're going to, we need some new ideas. That's, that's what they felt they needed to address uh, some of their struggles at, but we also knew coming in, it was like, win now or, or else. And we all know how that unfolded, but at no point were you ever, did you ever lack the confidence that, that Whipple was going to run into something he hadn't seen before. And, you know, and that's, that's just a trade-off. I think you, I think you address that from a head coaching perspective, perspective with, the other other play or other coaches that you hire, uh, your own experience, you know, it's kind of like a, a hand of cards. You're looking at not just can this can this guy um, co- coach the position and do the recruiting and all the stuff I need him to do, but can he do it in a way that meshes with with the coaches over there? And you know, of rules plan is to be that mentor. He's not going to expect McGuire to be able to put out every fire and do everything at this young, young age. He's going to be there for him to bring him along. Or there's a guy like Wager that has seen and done it all for obviously first time in high in, in college but he's not far removed from high school. So uh, dealing with some of the young guys, um, it's not going to be that foreign to him. Folks, I want to get your take on, on the secondary as you've got uh, all starters returning, Hartzog and Buford and Farmer and Newsom and Gifford, right? And you've got some experienced depth. You've got Braxton Clark and Omar Brown and Singleton, how tough of a spring do you anticipate it being for those kids that are still here, knowing what Travis Fisher did and brought to the room, but also understanding that, you know, there's a pretty good uh, level of respect for Coach Cooper. Uh, and so, you know, um, glass half, half full, half empty, don't know. I'm not, I'm not in that room. 
but do you anticipate things off on the right foot with that back end that listen, I know three, three, five or whatever it turns into is going to be different, but you've got a good starting spot, a solidified good group returning for now anyway. Um, and, and I think it's, it's an important tone center, isn't it? For, for just Nebraska overall, How, how's the reception and relationship of that secondary with this new staff? Yeah, I think it should be a tone setter, not just for Nebraska in the spring, but really all season long. Like if, if Nebraska is to, to have the 2023 season, I think everyone listening to this presumably hopes they can have like that secondary should be a strength of the team. It needs to be a strength of the team. And that's one of those, those transitions between previous staff to this staff that, um, I don't, I don't worry about a, a whole lot, you know, Travis Fisher in, in my mind, and, and we saw this in, in listening to him do interviews over the course of five seasons, like was very, very demanding, but also kind of very professional, took a very professional approach. And with this staff, you know, with Cooper in particular, uh, coming over from Carolina, that's the world he was just into. And he is also seems to be a very detail oriented, um, driven type of coach. So I think you're going to see a pretty good transition there. I mean, the fact that Travis Fisher is now at Syracuse with Rocky Long, uh, Tony White's Tony White's mentor also says a, a little something to me about what I think this staff is going to find in that that defensive backs room once they get the chance to to really start working with and instructing these players. Um, I, I I would be surprised if it were a rocky transition. NFL Combine, All-Star Games. We had a chance to talk, to talk with Searles this week, and he's been making the rounds with guys he's repping. And um, you look at, at three guys that got the invite to the Combine, and uh, Mathis and Vokalek, uh, Palmer. Who do you who are you betting on? Who do you think has the best chance at a pro career? And I'm not asking someone to go be Levante David or Indomitian Sue. There's guys that are playing in the Super Bowl tomorrow, i.e. Jack Stoll, that found a role and, you know, has filled in for uh, for that that tight end spot. And he's uh, he's carved out a nice career, Stoll has. But as we project, I think Nebraska could have some nice names called here this uh, this upcoming draft. Uh, do you think Vokalek's a guy that, that could, could wow? Do you think Palmer's a – future star do you like um uh you know mathis because listen he he has showed up uh, at least here uh in front of the scouts right and he had a really good finish with that and he was pretty dominant against iowa i mean that's how i remember mathis with his pressures and hurries that fourth quarter yeah, of, of the group that got the combine invites i think i think palmer is is the best bet to you know have a extended NFL career, but I think you're right. Like if, uh, if I were kind of betting on a, a little bit of a longer shot, it, it would be vocal in my mind. Um, and I think, you know, somebody like Jack soul is, is a useful example. there. um, good tight end at Nebraska kind of found the right spot in, in Philly. And here we are, he's playing in the Super Bowl tomorrow. I could see something similar, you know, maybe not as quickly as, as it ended up happening for Stoll, but I can see something similar for, for Vogelek. You know, a guy who didn't end up getting that combine invite in, in Garrett Nelson, um, 
I think what we know of Garrett, he will definitely use that to to probably even redouble his efforts of, of what he's going to do between now and, and draft day. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule him out either, um, Garrett. Just seeing what we, how he carried himself at, at Nebraska and what he was able to do as as a Husker. Brady, when you look at the the Husker career of Trey Palmer, I mean the the single season was the best single season wide receiver we've ever seen at Nebraska. Uh, when you look at the stats and I, I want to get your take, is it possible for Trey Palmer to go down as the greatest or one of the greatest Husker receivers of all time, despite the fact that he only played one season? That, that's the difference between him and a guy like, you know, Irving Fryer, Nate Swift, Maurice Purify, Stanley Morgan. I mean, there's a lot of been a great, a lot of great receivers that have come through here and had great careers, but no one's had that single season like Trey Palmer. And part of that's due to the changing nature of college football. But having only played one year here, can Trey Palmer go down as one of the Nebraska quote unquote greats at the wide receiver position? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a t- uh, kind of an uphill fight um, just because it was one season. I mean, not even a full 12 months in terms of his, his total time on campus. And, and, you know, and Trey was, I always enjoyed hearing from him because he was, it was clear he was very kind of individually driven, uh, a pretty quiet guy for the, the most part. And that's, that's totally fine. But it was another one of those, it's, you know, I don't know if, people got a chance to, to truly know him over his time in Lincoln. And then there was also, you know, Nebraska as a team just wasn't very good for stretches in, in 2022. He still put up the single best receiving season in, in Husker history. But I kind of look back at it and think of some games where, you know, either from how teams chose to defend him or whatever it may have been, it was just it was just kind of quiet from him. So I think all of those things contribute to, yeah, he's probably you know Husker fans are going to remember somebody like like Nate Swift, um, somebody who had a little more time probably first over over Trey. But I think when you really dig into it um, and look at the fact of what he was able to do on a team that was four and eight, uh, it should only burnish what what that twenty twenty two season was in my mind. Yeah, to your point on consistency, I mean, I remember Purdue and Iowa and smile about that because those were those were fun. Like, you see a guy go off. That's awesome if you're a Nebraska fan. Then I'm like, okay, guy got locked up by Illinois. You know, like one key. Anyway, Minnesota and Illinois disappeared. Well, and who was throwing, who was throwing him the football that game? Away. Who was throwing him the football that game is the problem. If Casey Thompson remains healthy all year long. Well, for a while, you had Casey Thompson throwing him the football before he got knocked out. For a quarter. But my question is, like, if, if Casey Thompson doesn't get knocked out of the game, how many yards does Trey Palmer go for last year? That's another question in my mind. If you look at this, he set the single season receiving record, and he may have left 200 yards on the table with the amount of time that was missed by, by Casey Thompson. He He was not... Getting by Witherspoon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that one in particular, I mean, that's that's a really good football player, um, you know, as, as people found out this year. And I think they'll they'll continue to find out in the months ahead. But, yeah, it's it's those games there where and, and again, I think to Elijah's to both of your points really is like we saw Trey's individual ability, his physical gifts. Um, what he was able to do in the best, you know, kind of scenarios. And, and that was, you know, kind of 
the thing I'll remember from that is he did have to play without his his starting QB for for a stretch, and it was playing on a team that really struggled to run the football in in Big Ten play. Uh, I mean, you go back to like 2019 LSU where he he started his career previously. You know, you put him on a team like that, and he he may not his individual season may not have stood out as much, but he probably puts up more yards, has another two or three touchdowns just by the nature of, of the team strength. So whenever, whenever I'm thinking about players and what they were able to do, that's always kind of a big factor for me. Uh, is, okay. How good were you and how good was the team you were on? Brandon Vogels with us. Hail varsity managing editor.com and magazine gets your, Print and digital subscription today, hailvarsity.com backslash offer. Folks, what are you doing this weekend and uh, what's on the docket for Hail Varsity? Yeah, so obviously we've got basketball uh, both days this weekend. Jacob Padilla is actually out on assignment at the Heartland Hoops Classic. That's an event he's covered for for a long time. So for those of you who are interested in, in high school hoops coverage, Jacob will actually be out there today. Drake's going to pitch hit for him on on uh, men's basketball, see see if uh, the Huskers can maybe take advantage of a slight opportunity here at home. But um, other than that, working on the the February issue, which goes to print next uh, next Wednesday morning or Wednesday morning, I guess in this case. So if you're uh, not a subscriber at this point, still time to get in and get that that February issue as your first issue. Uh, Drake wrote a great profile, Maggie Mendelson. Uh, current reserve for the women's basketball team, but we also saw her on the volleyball court this, this fall. Um, and then we've got a big softball preview as, as they get their season underway in, in the February issue um, yeah, with some, some high expectations for Nebraska on the diamond this year. Should be good folks. Thanks for the time, bud. Appreciate you jumping on. All right, guys, have a good one. All right, there we go. Sharp uh, in the green room, excited to uh, hear from him here in a little bit. Uh, it is uh, Gertie has made her appearance, the German Shepherd. A quick timeout, and uh, we will get all of that Chiefs love shortly here with the Iron Horse. Weekend edition continues. It's Hail Varsity presented by Currency. Heard at Sports Radio every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.